you heard about the RVs for MDs? It's been an interesting experience across America in light of COVID-19. Apparently, strangers are loaning their RVs to nurses and doctors, first-line responders. Apparently, people that are literally in the hospitals, etc., they're being impacted by COVID and they're coming home and they don't want to put their family at risk. So they're putting out on Facebook that they would like, uh, if somebody has an RV, there's a need, can you loan it? And literally strangers are giving their RVs on loan. They're parking them in the driveways of doctors and nurses. And so when they come home at nighttime, they literally go in to the RV, sleep there rather than expose their home. Uh, It's interesting to watch uh, One person said this, was asked, why did you loan your RV to a medical doctor? And the RV owner said, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. I want you to write this down, if you would, please. Some things are right and some things are wrong. Now, I'm not sure where you're at with this concept of right and wrong, but we're living in a society where everything seems to be up for grabs. Did you know that atheists even agree with this? Atheists agree with this. They have families, they have children, they have special places, people that don't believe in God. If you were to take the child of an atheist and start to twist that child's arm, you're gonna find an atheist upset with you. If you try to go into the home of an atheist uninvited, if you step in and begin to steal things, I'm simply saying to you, you will experience an unhappy atheist. We live in a world called ethics. Some of us don't understand that there is a right and wrong, but there is a moral code. It is sometimes negotiated, call it literally family law, school rules, constitutional law, judicial law, federal law, state law. Go to any playground and you'll find laws that the kids play by. I came across an interesting statement, street gangs, did you know? They have what's called the code of the thug life. Existential philosophers, they come up with all kinds of statements about right and wrong. How about this one? Wrong does not cease to be wrong because the majority share in it. How about this one? Right is right even if no one is doing it. Wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. How about this one from Patrick Henry? The eternal difference between right and wrong does not fluctuate. It is immutable. All you have to do is back up and understand. Please remember, number one, write it down. Some things are right and some things are wrong. I'm going to take you now to John chapter 6. If you'll find your Bibles, turn there. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. It's a miracle. It was the right thing to do for Jesus. And crowds, large crowds begin to follow Jesus. And why are they following Jesus? Obviously, because of the miracles. John chapter 6, verse 21. The next day, the multitude, I would encourage you in your Bible or on your sermon notes, circle the word multitude. That's a reference to a massive crowd The multitude that stood, watch this, on the other side of the sea, that's the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, 
saw that there was no other small boats there except one, and that Jesus did not get into the boat when the disciples had gone away the night before. So you could write in John chapter 6, verse 22, confused and concerned, this crowd that watched the feeding of the 5,000, they're waiting for Jesus. There's no more boats on the shore. They know that Jesus went to the mountain. The miracle had occurred yesterday. Now it's the next morning. Disciples are gone. They're waiting and looking for Jesus. Why? For another miracle. The multitude here, it could be literally hundreds, maybe thousands, are still gathered at the shoreline. What the crowd doesn't know is that Jesus walked across the water overnight. The crowd is waiting. There's no more boats. Surely Jesus will return to the shoreline. His popularity takes off. Look with me at verse 23. There came other small boats from Tiberias. I would encourage you to circle Tiberias. Near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So from Tiberias, uh, miracle news had spread. It is a non-Jewish town, southwestern end of the Sea of Galilee. So apparently the miracle news reaches all the way down south. Boats are headed north to the feeding of the 5,000 where that occurred on the northeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So you could literally say here in verse 23 that there is an attention that Jesus is getting and people are beginning to crowd around him. Look at verse 24. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, he's not on the crowd, not on, on the shoreline, his disciples are not there, they themselves got into the small boats and they begin to head to Capernaum. Some of you have recently been to Capernaum. Many of you have taken trips on our Israel trips. Uh, Capernaum, there, you see it on the map, hit that next slide. There, they head out, to the, head out toward the middle and then they kind of rotate back on terms of the boat ride. Look at verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, found Jesus, this crowd that's following him says him, Rabbi, when did you get here? In other words, we've been watching for you. We've been waiting for you. In verse 26, Jesus ignores their question. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. I would encourage you circle signs in that verse and circle filled in that verse. Verse 26 is all about motive. I'm not sure why you tuned in to worship today or why you pick up your Bible and read it or why you serve in the church. But note that little word filled there. It's literally to satisfy personal desires. Why do people serve on the worship team? Why do I preach? Why does RB play the bass? Why does Etanin on the drums? Why does Adam work on the sound tech? You see, some people follow Jesus. Watch this. See it? They're literally after satisfying personal desires. Jesus did not tell them that he had just walked on water. I find that interesting. He kept that away from them. But Jesus does tell them that all you want is free bread. There seems to be people following Jesus 
that want free bread, and that's it. You see that word sign there in verse 26? It's simeon, simeon in Greek. It is the idea, literally, that a message is being sent. So when Jesus does a sign, a miracle, he's sending a message. We've got to be sensitive to what Jesus is trying to do. A miracle by Jesus, they completely missed the message. You missed the meaning of the miracle. You follow me for a free lunch. Roger, do you? Clayton, do you? See, a lot of us are going through life and we're just missing the point of Christianity. Look at verse 27. Here's truth spoken, the most amazing gospel truth in Scripture. John 6, 27. Jesus says to the crowd, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, Roger, to you, Julie. It's an amazing statement. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. I would encourage you, circle do not work, circle perish, circle eternal life, circle son of man, circle seal. Friends, don't follow Jesus for the food. Don't follow Jesus to satisfy your desires. Don't serve, don't follow, don't work for bread, in other words, that does not last. Hit that next slide. I think a lot of us, sometimes we get caught up in trying to meet our needs. And Jesus is simply saying, listen, I offer bread that is forever. Don't, don't get your motives mixed up. If you chase stuff that's temporal, you're never gonna be happy. The gift of a miracle here is eternal life. It doesn't perish. In COVID-19, every other day I hear about somebody who has been infected or somebody who has actually uh, has the virus. What scripture is teaching us very clearly is we live our lives searching for physical stuff to satisfy us. We want to solve the medical issues. If I could paraphrase this, Jesus is saying to this crowd, why are you searching for a hamburger? I've got something far better. Jesus is saying, what I give to you is a spiritual destiny. It is called eternal life. John 6, 28, you could write in the side there, selfish motives. It doesn't stop. The wow factor there, the crowd is all excited about what they can get for the free lunch. Look at 28. They said, therefore, to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? In other words, we want to be great. We, we want to be great. How do we do this miracle thing? Teach us to do the miracle. How do we do what you are doing? But notice in 29, Jesus doesn't answer the question. Look at verse 29, more truth from Jesus. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Roger, Julie, Rob, Phil, Marilyn. You believe in him whom he has sent. That's what God wants from each one of us. See, the right way to serve Jesus is by 
trusting, believing. We do the work of God. What is the work of God? It's believing. We live to believe Jesus is God. You see, the crowd thinks that Jesus is encouraging them to work in such a way as to please God to somehow earn eternal life. You're never gonna be good enough. A lot of us are trying to improve, improve, improve. Somehow we think we can accomplish at a certain level and that's gonna satisfy God. It just never does. Look at John 6, 30. This is an arrogant insight. The crowd says to Jesus, my paraphrase, prove yourself, Jesus. What then do you, Jesus, do for a sign? Now, the crowd just saw the feeding of 5,000. Do they really need another miracle? And then they're saying that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? In other words, show us another miracle. See, they're trying to get their physical needs. If we're to believe Jesus, Jesus has got to prove himself again and again and again and again. So they're turning the tables on Jesus, challenging him, do something worthy that they can believe him. Friends, listen, you're never gonna serve or work or follow Jesus and somehow impress him to get him somehow to say, okay, you're in. He just simply says, believe. Believe that I died on the cross and I resurrected three. Just believe. Whatever you do, whatever you're serving, whatever you're doing, just simply believe. Some of you are not sure that this is accurate. So let me step back and just look at the big picture, the macro of the book of John. So on your outline number two, the right way to follow Jesus, all you have to do is take the big picture of the book of John. So I'm gonna now synthesize it. I'm gonna analyze it and show you that Jesus has been saying the same thing for six chapters. John chapter one, you remember? Jesus said he's the light of the world. He's always been the word of God. From Genesis one to John one, one, alpha and omega. And the message in John chapter one is simply that you would know that Jesus is God. That's it. Don't make it complicated. And in John chapter two, miracle number one, Jesus does, he turns water into wine at Cana. And what's the message that he's telling everybody? He's saying, hey, the message is I'm God. We're living in a world of performance. Everybody's trying to achieve a little bit more. And Jesus just simply steps into our world and says, look, I'll be crucified, I'll die, and I'll be resurrected. And John chapter three, what's the message there? Many of you memorized it as a child, John three sixteen. For whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. I wanna encourage you for just a moment to pause. I have had people in this church serve in this church many, many years. And the day comes when they have come to me for a private one-on-one and they're crying because they admit to me they've been performing for years and years to earn favor with God. And that they never really put their faith and trust in Jesus. They never did that. Why is it that we are so hooked on earning something? And Jesus says, look, I want to give this to you for free. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, that's the work God wants you to do. Believe that you will not perish but have eternal life. John chapter 4, anyone can believe this message. It's amazing. You remember in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, Samaria, the forbidden zone? Many people received Jesus as their Savior, not by working, not by somehow doing something special. Jesus, the message at the woman, well, that Jesus would save anyone who would simply truly believe. John chapter 4, miracle number 2. You remember the long-distance healing of the official son at Capernaum from Cana? What's the message? Jesus is God. He comes to earth to communicate. You remember John chapter 5? That was miracle number 3. The lame man healed in Jerusalem at the pool of Bethsaida. Not too long ago, I had the privilege, my two grandsons read that story at the pool of Bethsaida. It's amazing to watch Silas and Tyler stand there and read the Bible at the site where Jesus healed the lame man. Again and again, Jesus faces the problem, I don't believe. Are you really? Do I have to really believe you're God? Friends, the message through Scripture, John 5, 44, says this. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? The message throughout John and all the Bible is, come on, Roger, just believe that Jesus is God. John chapter 6, miracle number 4, feeding 5,000. You would think this crowd in John 6 that they would somehow get it. Miracle number 5, the crowd didn't see it, but the disciples saw it. They saw Jesus walking on water. Is that enough that Jesus is God when he says, hey, don't be afraid? We're living in a world where we have all kinds of fears, all kinds of challenges, Jesus steps into the disciples' lives and he says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm going to now go practical for a few moments. I'm going to give you quickly five reasons, five reasons, wrong reasons to follow Jesus. Etienne, this is for you. RB, this is for you. Rob, this is for you. Julie, this is for you. Ariel, this is for you. Phil, Marilyn, this is for you. Lori, Larry, this is for you. Tech crew, this is for you. Five wrong reasons to follow Jesus. This is for Roger. Number one, it is wrong to follow Jesus for entertainment. Figure it out. The wow factor will not satisfy you forever. The feelings, it's at some point, they will disappear we got to back up every day. Do not worship or follow Jesus for feelings. I'm not feeling it. I don't have the vibe. He's still God, whether you feel it or not. Number two, don't follow Jesus for a free meal ticket. Please don't. That makes Jesus look small. He's God. John 6, 26, Jesus said, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Number three, never follow Jesus for physical stuff, which leaves you empty. In this COVID environment, we're watching drugs on the rise. 
We're watching people, violence, anger, domestic, personal, because they're trying to meet a need inside. Number three, never follow Jesus for physical stuff which leaves you empty. Number four, don't follow Jesus to become a miracle worker. There's only one miracle working God. Never forget it. Number five, don't follow Jesus and work for me, myself, and I. If you're serving in this church or any church or your family, serve it to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, not to make yourself look good. I'm going to quickly give you five reasons to serve Jesus, the right reasons. Here we go. Number one, serve Jesus by faith. By faith. Not to win favor. You don't have to win favor. Number two, serve Jesus by his work alone. It is Jesus who forgives your sins. You're never going to perform well enough to get his forgiveness. One of the favorite verses, Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, Roger, so that no one may boast. Forgiveness is not by anything you do. Forgiveness is not by your faith. Forgiveness is by the object of your faith, and that's Jesus. Number three, follow Jesus by faith for eternal rewards. Eternal rewards, not physical stuff. Go for the long term. Go for eternity, not the temporary. John six twenty seven. do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. Eternal stuff. So Roger, when you preach and it's about you, it gets burned up. Roger, when you sing and serve and lead and it's about you, it gets burned up. Phil, when you play the piano and it's about you, it gets burned up. Rob, when you lead and it's about you, it gets burned up. You say, Roger, where do you get that? Well, listen to this. If any man builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of every person's work. If anyone's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer a loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Work for the eternal stuff. Number four, follow Jesus by faith to honor God. By faith. Number five, follow Jesus, not yourself. John 6, 29 says this, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. I'm gonna close with a story. I'll choose not to share the author of this story, but many of you know the author. Um, Because I don't have permission to give the author's name, I, I prefer not to share, but... It's been published online, so I have the freedom, I think, to at least share the story. 
The story goes like this. I was reviewing a loan application when I heard yelling, get down, get down. I thought we were being robbed as I worked at a small credit union. Everyone, get back to the back of the building right now. I retreated as they told me. As I finally got the courage to look up, I realized that the police were there in uniform, SWATs. They told us there was a police standoff at a motel next door, and the suspect was armed. Stay here and don't move, I obliged. After 30 minutes of being hunkered down, I heard a police helicopter hovering above. I slowly sat up and looked outside the windows toward the motel. Dozens of police officers, some of them kneeling down behind the car doors, some of them with full armor and shields, I knew this was serious. At that moment, I saw an unmarked police car pull up into the parking lot of the motel. Two officers set up an A-frame ladder in the middle of the lot. Then I saw him, an officer, maybe in his 60s, holding a megaphone. He slowly walked to the ladder and started to climb up two steps. He looked at the window on the second floor of the motel. He picked up his megaphone and said, Billy, it's okay. It will be all right. Let me in. Everything will be fine. I sat in my office, scared to death, wondering what would happen. Total silence. The officer slowly stepped down off the ladder, walked to his car, and sat back down. I waited, more silence, fear and anticipation building up inside. 20 minutes later, the officer slowly climbed the ladder again. Billy, it's okay. I know what you did. You're safe with me. Open the door. Please open the door, Billy. Silence. Billy, I know what happened. The circumstances were bad. You were put in a tough spot. Billy, open the door. Let me in. No response. The officer then looked at the SWAT team members and gave the nod. And immediately a SWAT officer shot a hole through the window. Not a gunshot, but it shattered the glass I waited and saw smoke billowing, billowing through the window. I was shocked and afraid. I assumed it was some sort of tear gas, and I waited. Silence. It felt like an eternity, but no one moved. Then I saw it. I saw his bloody hand stick out of the broken window. He was waving a small white motel washcloth surrendering. The door opened slowly. Police officers rushed the door. He was taken into custody and safe. This person writes, my world was changed that day. I realized how many times I locked myself away mentally because of guilt and shame. And my God kept saying to me, you're okay. I know what you did. You're in a tough spot. I get it. Let me in. You're okay. I understand what you're going through. Let me in. It will be okay. And yet I ignored God again and again and again.
God talked to me many times. He urged me to let him in. The smoke bombs happened in my life. And God said, let me in. You can't do this on your own. I finally realized that God is right. I know this story is long, and if you read it to the end, thank you. God loves you. I know he does. No matter what you have done, no matter what you think you have done, he loves you more than you will ever understand. When I think about Jesus Christ, I have to come back every day or I get caught up in performance, trying to earn favor, earn favor from God. And God says, Roger, just believe. Probably the most difficult concept is just trust. The old song says, trust and obey. Trust first. Obey, just serve the Lord joyfully. Never get tired of doing good. Never get caught up in the performance trap. Sell it all out to Jesus and don't worry about whether you're good or bad or you've achieved some level. Just follow Jesus as faithfully as you possibly can. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, please. God, I say thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection. May Jesus be honored again and again through my life, through every one of our lives. May we just simply follow, not to get something, not to become someone special, but just a servant leader. God, I say thank you for your amazing mercy, your amazing work. In Jesus' name, amen. 